0: the governor's executive orders and mayoral emergency proclamations suspending and modifying requirements for in-person meetings during the coronavirus disease emergency COVID-19 the citizens general obligation bond oversight committee will convene remotely until this committee is legally authorized to meet in person public comment will be available on each item on this agenda Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available by phone call by calling 415-655-0001 again 415-655-0001 access code 2499-584-8214 again 24995848214 then pound and then pound again when connected you will hear the meeting discussions but you will be muted and in listening mode only when your item of interest comes up dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line best practices are to call from a quiet location speak clearly and slowly and turn down your television or radio alternatively you may submit public comment by email to cgobo.committee at sfgov.org and it will be forwarded to the committee and will be included as part of the official file. Please note that this meeting is recorded and will be available at sfgovtv.org. Vice Chair Matthews, may I read the uh, Ramitish land acknowledgment?
1: Please, thanks.
0: We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, We recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders and relatives of the Ramaytush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. May I take roll? Thanks, yeah, you can take roll, please. Thanks. Please unmute your mics. Member Crawford here. Member Larkin. I know he's here. He might be having technical I'm difficulties.
2: Here.
1: Thank no you. Unmute.
0: <laughs> Vice Chair Matthews.
1: Present.
0: Chair McHugh is absent. Member Pantoja is absent. Member Post? Here. Member Sanderlin? Here. Thank you all. We have a quorum. It's 937.
3: Great. Do uh, agenda item two, please.
0: Thank you. Item two, opportunity for the public to comment on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2499-584-8214, and then press pound, and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I don't see any raised hands. We have one attendee, but I don't see their hand raised. So may I move on to item three?
3: Yes, please. Item three, the minutes.
0: Thank you. Approval with possible modification of the minutes of the February 28th, 2022 meeting.
3: Uh, we take public comment before the first and seconds.
4: That's correct. Usually what we do is ask for any committee discussion and if there are no comments from committee members, then
5: we um, move to public comment and then we take a motion. So that's correct. Great. Uh,
3: committee members, any um, edits to the minutes discussion? Right. Let's uh, go to public
0: comment, please. Public comment. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. Access code 2499-584-8214. And then press pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. Um, Again, I see one attendee, but I do not see their hand raised.
3: Great. Um, So with no public comment, I'll make a motion to approve the minutes. I'll
6: second. This is Lauren.
0: Okay. May I um, take roll? Roll call vote? Please. Member Crawford? Aye. Member Larkin? Aye. Vice Chair Matthews? Aye. Chair McHugh? Absent. Member Pantoja? is absent. Member Post? Aye. Member Sanderlin?
7: Aye.
0: Thank you. The minutes are approved.
3: Great. Um, If we could move to item four, please.
0: Discussion and possible action regarding adoption of AB 361 resolution for policy bodies such as citizens general obligation bond oversight committee to meet during the COVID-19 emergency by teleconference. Resolved that the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee finds as follows. The state of California and the city remain in a state of emergency due to the COVID-19 pandemic. At this meeting, the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee has considered the circumstances of the state of emergency. State and city officials continue to recommend measures to promote physical distancing and other social distancing measures in some settings. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, conducting meetings of this body in person would present imminent risk to the safety of attendees and the state of emergency continues to directly impact the ability of members to meet safely in person. Further resolve that for at least the next 30 days, Meetings of the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee will continue to occur exclusively by teleconferencing technology and not by any in-person meetings or any other meetings with public access to places where any policy body member is present for the meeting. Such meetings of the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee that occur by teleconferencing technology will provide an opportunity for members of the public to address this body and will otherwise occur in a manner that protects the statutory and constitutional rights of parties and the members of the public attending the meeting by teleconferencing. Further resolve that the secretary and staff of the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee is directed to place a resolution substantially similar to this resolution on the agenda of a future meeting of the citizens general obligation bond oversight committee within the next 30 days. If the citizens general obligation bond oversight committee does not meet within the next 30 days, the staff is directed to place a such resolution on the agenda of the next meeting of the citizens general obligation bond oversight committee.
3: Thanks, Rosanne. Is there any public comment on this item?
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2499-584-8214, and then press pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you have three minutes. So again, I see one attendee and I don't see their hand raised. May I close public comment?
3: Yes, please.
0: Okay, public comment for this item is closed.
3: Great, Uh, and with no public comment, I'll, I'll make a motion to accept this item. I'll second that motion. Please call roll.
0: Member Crawford? Aye. Member Larkin?
1: Aye.
0: Vice Chair Matthews? Aye. Chair McHugh is absent. Um, Member Pantoja is absent. Member Post? Aye. And member Sanderlin?
8: Aye.
0: Uh, the motion is approved. The resolution is approved and accepted.
3: Great. Thank you. Uh, if we could move to agenda item five, please.
0: Okay. Agenda item five presentation from the port regarding. The 2018 Embarcadero Seawall Earthquake Safety Bond Possible Action by the Committee in Response to Such Presentation.
5: Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Carlos Colon. I'm the Waterfront Program, the Waterfront Resilience Program Administrator. Um, and I'll be presenting with Stephen Reel, the Deputy Program Manager of Engineering and Program Management. Um, let me just share our presentation. Can, is that can you see that, Roseanne, Is that good? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so this is our second presentation to the committee. Uh, we presented last January, um, and then we gave uh, committee member Pantoja an update, I believe, last November. Uh, hold, excuse me. I just have to move the screen here. There we go. Um, so today we'll just be giving an update on the seawall bond. We'll be talking about the waterfront resilience program overview. We'll talk about the Embarcadero Seawall Program itself, the Embarcadero early projects, the Army Corps flood study, and then we'll talk about what we've spent to date. Uh, so just a quick refresher, we've we've had one bond sale. Uh, just a reminder, we this bond was passed in 2018. However, due to a lawsuit we weren't actually able to have our first bond sale until 2020. Uh, and So that's why this is really only our second presentation to the committee, even though we do have a a 2018 seawall bond. Uh, As I mentioned again, we still uh, have only had our first bond sale and we're projecting to start our second, the process for the second bond sale later this year. So the Waterfront Resilience Program does encompass the whole seven and a half miles of port jurisdiction. Uh, That program includes the Embarcadero Seawall program, as well as the Army Corps flood study. Uh, This discussion here is to focus on the Seawall bond, which is number one, the Embarcadero Seawall program, the three and a half miles between uh, Pier 39 and uh, Oracle Park. Uh, And Stephen Reel will now present on the Embarcadero Seawall program an update on the multi-hazard risk assessment, which was recently completed, as well as the early projects.
2: Good morning, everyone. Stephen Reel. I'm the Deputy Program Manager for Engineering and Project Delivery. By now, all of you are very familiar with the Embarcadero Seawall. It's the three-mile section of waterfront from Fisherman's Wharf to Mission Creek, more than a century old includes the Embarcadero Historic District consisting of the seawall, the bulkhead wharves, and the piers. Uh, The seawall is past its prime, and as a result, uh, the seawall and the infrastructure it supports is at risk in earthquakes and flooding from sea level rise and the $425 million 2018 general obligation bond is funding advanced planning and projects to begin tackling this problem. Next slide. The Embarcadero Seawall Multi-Hazard Risk Assessment studied the seawall problem in detail, found that $30 billion of damages and disruption is likely by 2100 if we don't address the problem. For earthquakes, the highest risk areas are north of the Bay Bridge, including the Ferry Building Zone, uh, the historic bulkheads, the Embarcadero Roadway, and combined sewer system infrastructure, and the timber bulkheads in Fisherman's Wharf. Next slide. While earthquakes are very much a here and now problem, coastal flood risk is quickly emerging um, from sea level rise, with the ferry building area most at risk, including the Muni portal, which leads down not only to Muni, but BART network. Um, And the rest of the Embarcadero itself is not too far behind and will experience High flood risk with two feet of sea level rise, which could occur by mid-century. Next slide. Graphic on the right shows the typical waterfront elevation with differing amounts of sea level rise. Sea level rise raises all tides and the groundwater. So with three feet of sea level rise, the daily high tide will be similar to today's rare 100-year tide and groundwater will have risen by three feet as well. Um, there's considerable uncertainty in the future sea level rise projections. The graphic on the left shows three Army Corps projections from 2012 and three California Ocean, Protect, California Ocean Protection Council projections from 2018. It shows three feet of sea level rises expected to occur between 2060 and 2090. Next slide. And as of last month, there is now updated 2022 federal guidance, which indicates the trend is toward the higher end of the projections. This range of uncertainty combined with widespread overtopping of the Embarcadero uh, with as little as two feet of sea level rise makes planning projects today extremely challenging, especially if these projects are meant to last for 50, 75, or 100 years like the Embarcadero seawall has done. Next slide. But we certainly can't wait for better projections. We live in earthquake country, a strong earthquake could occur without warning at any moment. This summer, San Francisco Department of Emergency Management and the port hosted a multi-agency disaster response exercise using the MHRA data to simulate a repeat of the 1906 earthquake. The exercise confirmed the importance of the port's berths, piers, and wharfs for moving people and supplies. The port's role in waterfront recovery and the importance of the Embarcadero roadway to both. Next. So all of this planning work has resulted in identification of Embarcadero early projects, which are the first investments in the seawall zone. Goals for early projects include improving earthquake safety and disaster response capability, improving near-term flood defenses, and focusing on early implementation. Next slide. 23 potential early projects were identified across the waterfront, ranging from earthquake safety retrofits to bulkheads to near-term flood defenses of the ferry building area. The projects responded to the risks identified in the MHRA and were evaluated against numerous criteria. Um, And 11 of the projects were recommended to advance to our pre-design stage. Five were recommended to be combined into a single Strategy development of a single strategy along a stretch, and seven were identified for uh, additional funding and coordination opportunities. Next slide. So pre-design of the 11 projects has started and will be ongoing through 2023. As projects complete pre-design, recommendations will be made on advancing to detailed design and environmental approvals. First recommendations are expected late this year. And that process will um, be ongoing through 2025, and construction on projects is expected to start as early as 2024, and last through a, through 2028. Projects are advancing at different rates, um, and as mentioned, we we've, we've we have much more need than we have funding. So we will continue to seek additional funding to deliver more projects over this time. Next slide. This is a high-level uh, schedule, and in particular, the projects are um, shown conceptually only. As we're in pre-design of those projects, we'll be developing schedules for each each of the projects. Um, projects are will be moving uh, at different rates, and so once once um, pre-design is complete and there's a re- recommendation to move to detailed design, that's when that schedule will be finalized. Um, and as mentioned, of the 23 projects identified, we have a we have an estimated range of between $650 million to $3 billion. These are planning level estimates, thus thus the wide range. But it's important to note that it's considerably more than we can afford. So we are continuing to seek additional funding, and we'll be uh, narrowing um, projects for the for delivery using bond funds over this next year. Next slide. Carlos, back to you.
5: Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Um, as Stephen mentioned, you know we're continually looking for more funding. And one funding opportunity would be the federal government. Uh, we're in parallel with the seawall program. We are also working with the Army Corps on the flood study. And we recently got a waiver. Uh, the Army Corps applied for and received a waiver to increase the study from 36 to 86 months. And increase the cost from 6 million to 16 million. Now, this cost is a 50-50 split between the Army Corps and the port. If they determine that there is a project, uh, this could unlock potentially billions of dollars in funding, which the um with the port will then have to match. I think believe it's 6535. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about the, the bond. Uh this This graph here is what we have been using since the first bond report uh, back in 2019. Um, We know that this is going to change, but we have not officially made any changes to date. Uh, Once we go through the early projects and scope them and determine the budgets for those, I believe the 11 that we're starting with, this will be a different graph when we come back to you in our next presentation. Uh, BUT SINCE WE HAVEN'T CHANGED IT TO DATE, WE ARE STILL USING THESE AMOUNTS. Uh, SO IN THIS LAST YEAR, I MEAN, THE BIGGEST HIGHLIGHT IS SELECTING EARLY PROJECTS AND CONNECTED TO OUR NEXT MILESTONE IS is JUST PRELIMINARY DESIGN. Uh, ONCE WE DETERMINE, AGAIN, THE BUDGET FOR THESE EARLY PROJECTS, WE WILL THEN BE ABLE TO DETERMINE THE NEXT BOND SALE AMOUNT AND MAKE THAT APPLICATION TO GET THAT DONE. I said we're going to start the process later this year, and we hope to have the bond sale sold at the beginning of 2023. Now, the, one of the risks, of course, is if there's a delay in that second bond sale, it, it will de- delay the project. Uh, you know, Last time, when there was the delay due to the lawsuit, the port did give the program $11.5 million, which we then gave back. But due to COVID, the port is uh, probably not able to do something like that this time around. Uh, I have projected that we should be okay with our current bond sale to get us to the next one. But then it is a risk if for whatever reason um, there is a delay, it, it could delay the program. Here is our our funding sources to date. Uh, bond, port, and we did have a $5 million state grant. Uh, a big difference between this and if anyone remembers what we presented last January, we did have an additional $14 million of funding. Uh, that was a combination of general fund, $3 million, which we had to return, and again, million million, which support lent us because of the delay, delay due to the, to the lawsuit, which we also returned once we had the bond. Uh, so that is why. This total amount, um, if there was a comparison to the last presentation, is 64 million. And the previous one, I believe, was about 77. And here's what we spent to date on the bond. You can see the majority of it is, was from the planning and risk assessment. Uh, we're just going to get started with pre design this year. Uh, AND WE DO HAVE, AGAIN, IT SAYS 18.4 MILLION BALANCE. THIS IS AS OF THE END OF DECEMBER 2021. I'M VERY CONFIDENT THIS WILL GET US THROUGH TO THE NEXT BOND SALE. AND HERE'S FOUR SPECIFIC NUMBERS OF WHAT WE SPENT TO DATE. Um, I WILL HAVE TO APOLOGIZE. THE CHART IN THE REPORT IS ACTUALLY DIFFERENT THAN THIS ONE. I must have made an error and not updated this one. This one went through March of 2022. The report goes through December 2021. Um, And so the expenditures are about a million dollars less in the report than here. Um, And Rosanna, I can send an updated presentation um, later today. So as you can see, the majority of our funding has been spent on planning and engineering. Uh, We're just going to get into preliminary design. And we do expect to really get the ball rolling this year with our 11 projects going into preliminary design. Um, and then have a, an updated chart of how we're going to spend our bond money in the future by our next presentation. Uh, and now I can open it up to questions. Roseanne, should I close out my presentation? Should I unshare? No, can you leave it up, please? Sure. No okay.
6: problem.
3: Great, Um, thank you, Carlos and Stephen, for the presentation. Uh, Member Pantoa is is absent today, so I'm sure he'll be following up with you uh, in the coming weeks, especially in advance of his liaison report, which I think is in another four months or so. Um, We'll open it up to questions uh, to the whole board. Um, It sounds like Lauren may have a question.
6: I do, thank you, Tim. Um, I guess, um, kind of going back to basics here. When, when we talk about the early projects, and you could go back to one of those slides that lists them up to you, uh, may be helpful, but when we talk about all the early projects, thank you. Um, are all of these permanent projects or are some temporary projects to deal with emergencies or in case there is a massive earthquake, say in the next 10 years, um, and that eventually they'll be Torn out, modified, redone. What what is the status? So is it is this part of a permanent scheme again, or a few of these temporary?
2: I, I wouldn't call it temporary. It's it's adaptation. So with sea level rise, there's there's almost nothing that's going to be built that's permanent on the waterfront. It's just a matter of time. And so many of these projects are improving existing assets. Um, and the earthquake safety but not necessarily extending the remaining life Um, in some cases it's extending the remaining life a bit further Um, but with sea level rise there will be a time where a replacement is required
6: but so why wouldn't some of them be permanent I mean sea levels rise why wouldn't we build for worst case scenarios sometimes
2: right some will some will be Permanent. And so, like Wharf J9 is a replacement of a section of of seawall and wharf. And in that case, it's going to be considerably higher than what's out there today. Um, But in many other locations, we're not ready to replace what's out there today. It still has functional life. Um, In many cases, these are historic assets. And so, their improvements to the existing infrastructure that gets us further down the road before a more substantial investments required on that stretch.
6: And when you say they're historic assets, um, yes, so. (laughs) I mean, we all are in favor of preserving the city's historic assets, of course. However, when we're talking about life-threatening emergencies and significant flooding and flooding muni tubes and bar tubes and overwhelming utilities, et cetera, how do you balance the, quote, protection of historic assets with what will be very serious consequences if we don't keep moving forward quickly with these projects?
2: Well, we look at it over time, and you, you said quickly, and, and quickly is, is one of the primary reasons for doing these early projects. Uh, the flood risk to the Muni portal, for example, in that section of the waterfront, we, we, we need to mitigate that risk now. And the type of investment that we put there is what we're calling a near-term investment. We, you know, we're over the next 30 years, the projections for sea level rise, uh, you know, on the, on the outside extreme, potentially up to two feet. Can we protect ourselves for the next 30 years with the near-term project? It's a great investment. It's not, it's not the complete replacement that's needed to get us through the end of the century. But it's an important investment now.
6: All right. I mean, I understand the financial constraints. I mean, you get my drift. It's just as taxpayer dollars and bond funds are used for projects that will eventually be torn out, there needs to be, you know, some explanation about that and an understanding. And I mean, to me, this is sort of critical emergency work, and uh, very expensive. And so, I guess, I guess, another question I had is just sort of stepping back is the entire uh, uh, seawall project really a series of multiple little projects and is that because of a cost and having to spread the cost and b of course maintaining operations along that huge waterfront the entire time so we're going to by definition unfortunately have to piecemeal this massive project over the next decade or two is that an accurate sort of description of it
2: well, I wouldn't quite say piecemeal. I, would go back to this adaptation term. Um, I think, you know, if we could replace a segment, let's say a mile long segment be good for a hundred years, um, you know, that's what we might, we might do, right? and that's, I think when we, when we started down this road, that's what we were looking at. It's like replacing segments over time. And as we've gotten through the risk assessment as we've continued to look at the projections of sea level rise and how we might balance the needs of today with the costs of replacing large segments we're finding that and, and we and we knew that a considerable amount of money is going to be needed but we're finding that there really aren't um, inexpensive foundational fixes that those are all very large investments and that a strategy of of adaptation where we implement smaller projects that can be done more quickly that can make us safer today that can ensure we've got good disaster response capability on the waterfront um, that can keep everything we love about the waterfront going and being more safe as we continue to advance the longer planning and the bigger projects that we know are coming so that's that's the strategy where we've we've landed now and a big part of it includes the army corps of engineers study which is the you know a big opportunity for federal investment on the waterfront
6: and i was going to ask you and thank you for that explanation and i was going to ask you Is the only reason we need to have that study and wait for that study is to get the money? I mean, it it boils down to that. It seems to me we know it needs to be done. Let's go. But I suppose the Army Corps has to do their own study. They just can't bring in their specialists to review the studies done to date, make sure that they're legit, that they meet their, their quality standards and proceed. Is that we just, to get the money, they just have to do their own study on top of the other ones that have been done?
2: Uh, yes yes oh, nice. the, the core study it, they are the gatekeepers for that investment and we contribute what we've done yeah, so it's not like it's a it's a loss um, It's contributed to the to the study but they they need to advance it in through their own methodology and guidance um, so and you know at a big it's not just the risk piece too, but it's also the what are we going to build? Right. So what are the alternatives and what what will get built out there? And so that, that planning part is, um, you know, is not done, right? That's, con- that's continuing to be advanced.
6: And they would assist with that? Yes. I see. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much. Um, I've I always found these presentations to be very informative. Thank you to your team for preparing them. And uh, yeah, def- keep us informed. This is a really important project and, of course, needs to keep moving forward and very expensive project, but very interesting project. So I'm sure your job has been an interesting component. So thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Great. Thanks, member Post for those uh, questions. Um, any other yeah. board members? Right, go ahead.
1: Okay, thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, uh, Carlos, I think this question is for you. In discussing the delay to the first bond sale, you said that the port lent money or provided money so that some of the projects could proceed and continue. Um, how difficult the process was that? Did you have to go to the board of supervisors for approval to make to make that change or was it more perfunctory than that?
5: No, you're correct. We had to go to the port commission and the board of supervisors to get that funding. To both. To both, yes.
1: And and how time intensive a process was that?
5: Um I mean it's months. It's months. Um I don't recall the the exact number, but it's more than you know, one. It's it's probably three. Probably a little longer, actually, once we do the planning, because first we have to determine how much money we actually need, and much support can actually give us. And then we go the process of approvals through the port commission and then the board of supervisors.
1: Yeah I mean I would expect the port commission would have to give some kind of approval but having done the port commission did you have to make then an entirely separate presentation go through another process with with the board of supervisors or 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 was that one that once once that they had seen that the port commission had approved that they they gave a required but you know perfunctory okay to it.
5: No I, I did present to the Board of Supervisors.
1: Okay and the reason I'm asking this is in the bonds that I am a liaison for the, the 2014 transportation and roadway improvement bond um, in making categorical shifts in funds they the MTA staff had to go through a long time and labor-intensive process just to shift money from one category to the next, which would ultimately going to be shifted from that category the, from the category from which they borrowed back to the original category, but it was just a matter of, of, of timing. Some projects from one category got ready to fund more quickly than others. And so they borrowed some money. It seemed like a waste of staff time. And I didn't get any disagreement from the staff members about that. And I wonder if your experience was was similar to that. In other words, did you waste did you have to use a lot of staff time for something where there was no tangible positive result?
5: Um, no, I mean, we needed this funding. So it's it definitely worth did. the yeah. staff time. Yeah, so right. I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't say it was a waste or portray it that way. We needed the funding. We had to put in the work to get it and it had to sort of be that bridge until we could get the bond sale in 2020.
2: Yeah,
1: well, what I'm getting at is I understand that you had to do it to get the funding because of the process because of the process was time that might otherwise has been spent more productively used. Would you recommend a change to that process, a way to, to streamline it so you didn't have to go through all that, to use all that time that, as you said, you, you, you're strapped for cash. There are, you know, there's a whole lot more to do than you have money to do. And when you have to use time, which costs money, staff time on something You know that is just an administrative requirement. Is there a way that do you see a way that that process could be streamlined, improved, made more efficient?
5: Um, not that I can think of, unless it was a smaller dollar amount. But eleven and a half million is a lot of money. Yeah. So I do think there should be those approvals.
1: Okay. Well, fair enough. You're the guy on the spot. I'm just, you know, as I said, in talking to the MTA staff about. A similar exercise they're excellent their feeling about it wasn't as sanguine as, is, as yours is but i'll leave it at that i asked my sure. question you answered
3: great thanks member larkin thanks carlos for the excellent answer sure. <laughs> it's a local 21 staff person good answer um <laughs> i have a quick question about uh the designs going back to local 21 um, I see in one of these slides, the, it appears that design and build was split. And so our are, are in-house uh, port employees doing a lot of this design work. That's yet to be determined. The pre-design
2: work is consultant led. Uh, once we get into detailed design, that's when we'll, we'll be looking at how we can best accomplish that with a mix. And, it, and our intention is that it's a mix of, of staff and
3: local con, and consultants. Gotcha. Okay. Look forward to talking to you more about that with a different hand. Um, um, any other board members with questions? Yes. Uh, I have Andrew. a
8: question. Yeah, I have a, just a question about funding. I think this might be for Carlos. How um, does the project access, besides the federal funds coming through the Army Corps of Engineers, are there other federal funds that we think are either are available or will become available, either through competitive grants or discretionary funding through the state?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, um, we are in the process, and we have applied for multiple grants. Um, And actually, I have... Uh, Skyler Poe, our fellow this year, who has been submitting those applications, uh, she should be on this call. Skyler, are you here?
9: Yep. Hi, everyone.
5: And and um, so, if you'd like, she can discuss some of the grants we've applied to.
8: I'd like to hear about other funding that might become available for the project.
9: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, since I've been on board, I have. Uh, been involved with four federal grant applications. Um, the first one went in at the end of November 2021. This uh, was through the FEMA uh, Building Resilient Community Infrastructure and Communities Grant, or FEMA BRIC grant program. Um, and this uh, ask was for the development of an Engineering with Nature working group. Um, we budgeted the total project or the project total for $240,000 with a 25% match, which would be, uh, and the work would be bond eligible. So that was $160,000 sought and $80,000 match from our um, earthquake safety bond. And we received word I believe in January or February of this year that Cal OES, who we submitted to as a sub-applicant, reviewed the application and approved it by their standards and it has since been forwarded to FEMA for their review. Um, so we have not yet learned whether or not we uh, are uh, have won the award yet, but it is well underway. Um, And then more recently, we have uh, three grants that just went in uh, about a month ago now, or maybe even less, um, two or three weeks ago. Uh, Two of them went in through the FEMA HMGP grant program. So that's the um, hazard mitigation grant program. Um, The first one, uh, and if I could your attention back to the screen here was actually for number 14 on the early project list. So that's the Pier 1 bulkhead wall and wharf earthquake reliability project. Um, so the project total was roughly $18 million, again with a 25% match. Uh, so that's $13 million sought and uh, a $5 million match, which would come from our bond. Um, And this is to seismically retrofit the uh, bulkhead wharf at Pier 1, which is the port's headquarters and emergency operations center. Additionally, we submitted another grant under the same FEMA HMGP uh, program to develop our Embarcadero Resilience Master Plan. Our project total for this was uh, roughly $9 million with 6.7 million dollars sought and a match of 2.3 million dollars. Again, this is bond eligible. The final grant that we got in a few weeks ago was through the Department of Transportation RAISE grant program. This was formerly known as the TIGER grant program. Um, This is the first time that the port has been able to apply for an infrastructure grant, Uh, but we have developed the grant application with SFMTA, CPC, PUC. Um, as we did for the, the one I previously previously mentioned as well, the embarcadero resilient master plan, because all of these uh these city departments have um, ownership over critical infrastructure in this lifeline corridor. So this RAISE grant application, um, it is outside the parameters of the the earthquake safety bond. So our match for that would come from our Harbor Fund. But um, just to, you know, cover all our bases here, I'm going to talk about it briefly. It was uh, for the Islas Creek Resilient Streets and Rail and Infrastructure Improvement, um, totaling $23 million with a 20% match. So that's $18.4 million sought and $4.6 million matched. And again, that's not coming from the bond, that will be coming from our Harbor Fund. Um, and because this project and the previous one, the Embarcadero Master Plan, um, we will be uh, you know, working in conjunction with other city agencies. Uh, there may be some opportunity to work out uh, match funding Contributions from other departments as well, uh, but that has yet to be finalized. So, those are our current grants in the pipeline right now. Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. We are, you know, we have ongoing research into other grant opportunities um, federal, uh, local, um, from private institutions, uh, the like. So, yeah.
5: Great. Thank you, Skylar. In addition, we do know that this is going to, you know, as Steven said before, this is going to be in the billions of dollars, this program. So we are constantly looking for grants and other funding sources uh, from, from the state, again, as Skylar said, the state, local, federal government.
3: Thank you. Uh, Member Crawford, is that all?
8: I think yeah I think that's great and I, I'd like to see you know once those grants come in um, just a maybe some reporting on what the um, I guess what we've been able to find as a match for these bond funds um, ultimately I think that would be something interesting to report to the public.
5: Okay.
8: Thank you,
3: Skylar. Uh, member Sanderlin, no pressure. You're the only one who hasn't. We can move along.
7: Okay. Hello.
3: Great.
7: I don't have any
6: anything extra to add.
3: Okay, thanks. Well, um, thank you to the uh presentations and information from lovely local 21 members. I, I much appreciate it. And we'll, I'll pass this info along to uh, Bart. Um, and again, he'll probably be reaching out to you shortly. Yeah. So
5: just to, just sorry to interrupt. So, just to mention, I did give a presentation to Bart um, a week ago or so. So he did already see the report and presentation before I presented to the full committee.
3: Very good. Thank you. Um, I'll fill him in on our discussion for sure as well. Um, so uh, open for public. Comment on this item,
0: please. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2499-584-8214. then press pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I don't see any attendees, um, so there are no hand raised. So may I close public comment?
3: Yes, thank you, Roseanne.
0: Okay, public comment is now closed for this item.
3: Okay, so there's no action to take on this item, so we could move to agenda item six, please, Rosane.
0: Item six, liaison reports, 2011 road repaving and street safety bond program and 2014 transportation and road improvement bond program.
3: Great, thank you. Um, Member Larkin, I'll start if that's okay on the 2011 repaving program and then i will to you. Thanks. Um, So this part will be short. Um, The 2011 uh, road repaving uh, bond program has been on our books for uh, 11 years now. Um, Since the last report, um, all projects have been substantially completed and we're in the process of closeout and that's um, gathering together all the different funding streams, figuring out which money came from where. Um, and, uh, speaking with the project managers, this is coming along and, uh, we're both myself as the liaison and and folks over at MTA and DPW are also looking forward to closing this out and getting it off of our books, essentially. Um, and hope that by the next time there's a program update, um, we can be even closer to, um, removing it from our our agenda so that's that's my liaison report unless Member Larkin, you have anything else to add on this item
1: no i don't that was fine
3: very good okay so over to you for the um the 2014 transportation road improvement
1: pump okay um you all got as part of the attachments for this meeting the most recent report that we have from MTA on the status of the bond. Uh, The date on that report was February, but it went through the end of last year, through December 31st of 2021. Um, When Tim and I spoke to MTA staff last week about it, um, I gave them some written questions which were directly from that report. Uh, Specifically, each, each of the projects has as part of the report, a section called um, challenges and, and, and something else. And I went back to them, to the staff with each one of, one of those challenges and they got back to me on some of them. Um, we only had that meeting with them last week, so they didn't have a whole lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, lead time to respond, but I do have some right up to date responses that cover, I think about half a dozen or seven of them. So I'll go over those very quickly. And as we get further updates from them, um, I will pass them on via email to all of you. And I'm pretty sure that's okay to do as long as it goes to everybody. I don't think there's any restriction on that method of communication. Um, Anyway, one of them, one of the problems that we read about was that there was a challenge on the Beale Street bikeway improvements about signal coordination, traffic signal coordination. And what they have done is broken that project up into two phases, and they are coordinating with other projects that are intersecting Beale Street to resolve any issues that they see uh, with that signal cord, traffic signal coordination and they are looking to minimize construction impacts for those intersection projects, a traffic signal, of course, being at an intersection. So I, they're looking at it, I'm sure they're doing well with it. Um, Castro Station accessibility, I didn't really understand this problem, but it had to do with um, sensitive or secure information, distribution of sensitive or secure information. And the project manager there is working with the city attorney's office to complete the SSI, Sensitive and Secure Information Acronym Procedure and forwarded it to the Public Works California team for review and implementation in its bid document. So they're covering that. Um, There were two more problems related to PG&E. One was at King Street substation upgrade, and PG&E has been on their site to look at some, some conduit work that they have exposed and found the conduit work that they have done is adequate now so their contractors back to work. It doesn't look as though there's a delay associated with that. Um, El Taraval improvements, there was something similar with PG;E gas mains, and the project team continued coordinating with PG;E to relocate gas mean, gas lines in conflict with SFPUC water work and PG&E gas main project at multiple intersections. Based on the latest schedule update, there should be no impact to overall project completion. And finally, Van SBRT open for traffic on April 1st of 2022, um, pending punch, like, punch list items work from the contractor, SFMTA requested additional documentation from the contractor related to potential claims. And the requested documents are still pending from the contractor so in other words they don't have any update on the possible claim but we will look forward to hearing more about that and as i get it i will pass it on to you we had updates on several of the projects that i had asked for because i'm the nominally at least the representative on this committee from district one so one of the things i asked for was some information about geary boulevard improvement project phase two but I don't think that's of general interest of the committee. And in keeping with co-chair Tim's brief report, I'll defer that. If anybody wants to hear that information, I'll, I'll pass it on to him by email. But for now, I'll consider that my report is complete.
4: Hey, Brian, uh, this is Kenwood from the city attorney's office. Uh, I'd Ken, ask you yeah. to send, hi, Brian. I'd ask yeah. you to send that report directly to Roseanne and then Roseanne can disseminate it to the other members of the committee so you don't have an issue with um, a back and forth. There could be a a, a seriata meeting. So just send it to her and she can disseminate it.
1: I will do that. And Roseanne, if I haven't done it to you by close, gotten it to you by close of business today, please send me a reminder. It's not like I was was trying to blow you off. It's just that I forgot, which I
10: sometimes do, okay. Thanks, Brian.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks for the reminder. I, you know, I, I meant to ask that question while I was giving the presentation, but you're on the ball and you caught me. Good man. <laughs> okay.
3: All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Member Larkin. Um, uh, I want to add to it. I think you've you've kind of captured the updates uh, and we look forward to the, the Q3 report that's forthcoming. Um, any other discussion from fellow board members on this item? Okay, seeing none, um, Rosanna, if we could call for public comment.
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2499-584-8214, then press pound and pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I don't see any attendees or hands raised. So may I close public comment?
3: Yes, thanks Rosanne. And then, oh God.
0: So public comment is now closed for this item.
3: Great. Okay. Thanks. Uh, if you, we could move to agenda item seven, please.
0: Item seven, presentation from the controller city Perform- performance division regarding the annual report on all general obligation bonds and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation and report.
11: Hi. Good morning, everybody. Um, good morning, Vice Chair Matthews and committee members. Um, my name is Albert Lin, and I'll be sharing the work of me and my colleagues in the Controller's Office City Performance Unit. Um, Dan Kaplan, Heather Littleton, and I have prepared this high-level overview for the city's general obligation bond port- programs portfolio, um, and I'll be sharing the first half of the presentation, and I'll turn it over to Dan to finish. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so on April 14th, we issued the Annual General Obligation Bond re- Program Report, which provides a scope schedule, budget, and citywide capital issues overview for the nine currently active uh, geo bonds. And the data for this report are as of June 30th, 2021, and focus on a two-year reporting period from July 2019 to June 30th, 2021. And this is because we skipped a year um, when most of our office was deployed for COVID. Uh, Like our office's last report, we organized this report according to subject, and there are four um, major policy areas, public health and safety, transportation, affordable housing, and parks and recreation. Next slide, please. You'll notice that the format of this year's report is slightly different from previous years. This year, we really focused our commentary on budget changes and schedule delays. Uh, the bond programs are publishing detailed reports several year, uh, times a year, and we're referring interested parties to those reports for further details on specific project updates. Uh, next slide, please. So this year we're focusing on the nine programs that we're, we've defined as active. There are additional four that we're considering functionally complete, with less than 5% of the authorized amount remaining. And these programs have generally reached a functional completion on most scoped projects and are in administrative closeout. And we report on their budget in this report, but we didn't comment on scope and schedule. So this chart is an overview of the spending for all of those active bond programs with the most recent authorized... nine active bonds uh, listed here total 3.7 billion dollars from 2008 to 2021 voters approve a total of 14 GO5.9 billion, and across all programs there are 2.3 billion remaining in active bonds you'll see here that the 2020 recovery bond which funds about 239 million for parks 41.5 for transportation and 207 for public health
6: Albert, you're starting to cut in and out on us. We can't hear you. Okay, I guess he's on it. <laughs> Uh-oh. There he is.
3: Albert, maybe if you turn off your your video, we could we could just focus your band on our audio.
11: Oh, is there an issue with that? Got it. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yes, you're, you're cutting in and out a little bit. You're freezing. There you go.
11: Is that any better? For now, yeah. OK. Um, let's see here. Uh, next slide, please. So I'm going to walk you through the bond programs by policy area at a high level. Um, see Here you can see the six programs that are part of the public health and safety policy area. Voters have authorized over $3 billion, and there are $1.2 billion in funds remaining, and four of these we're considering active. They are the 2020 ESEAR bond, the 2018 Embarcadero Seawall Earthquake Safety Bond, the 2016 Public Health and Safety Bond, and the 2014 ESEAR bond. Uh, This is the largest policy area grouping of bonds. These programs fund medical and mental health services and homeless sites in addition to earthquake and life safety improvements within the health and emergency response systems. And they also address seismic and flood risks on the seawall. The 2018 and 2020 ESER bonds are the newest bonds and are being reported on the first time, reported on for the first time in this year's report, and they contain the majority of remaining funds. A couple of major milestones for these bonds since our last issuance is that the uh third and final bond sale for 2016 public health and safety occurred in november 2020. five of the six components are still in progress while the ambulance deployment facility was occupied in may of 2021. the wall issuance was delayed until june 2020 our um our colleagues just spoke to that a little bit earlier and all projects are uh, delayed in comparison to the, their original projected end dates. And ESER 2020 had two issuances since the last report one from March 2021, which is reported on in our report, and another that came in after our report window in August 2021. Next slide, please. Also, a double check how's, how's the audio doing? Great. Mm-hmm. Since 2011, voters have authorized two transportation bonds, the 2014 Transportation Road Improvement Bond and the 2011 Road Repaving and Street Safety Bond. Across both of these bonds, voters have authorized $748 million, and $251 million remains unspent. Most of this is in transportation and road improvement. Um, We're considering the Road Repaving and Street Safety Bond functionally complete. And these bonds, of course, fund uh, mass transit upgrades and various improvements to roadways, streets, and sidewalks throughout the city. The third issuance uh, for the transportation road improvement bond occurred in September of 2020 and is reported on in the report, and a final issuance occurred in September 2021. Five of the eight components for that bond have projected end dates that move from June of 2024 to October of 2024, and these delays are attributed to projects linked to the Better Market Street project. And Better Market Street has experienced delays that were, re, uh, and the project was rescoped to reduce impact to businesses as, the re- as a result of the pandemic. Next slide, please. So this slide is an excerpt from our watch list. This is a new addition uh, from to this year that identifies the bond components that have experienced significant delays since our last report and it highlights the projects that are driving those delays. And the criteria for selection uh, was in-progress bond components that have experienced more than a year's extension, which you can see in yellow, on their completion, uh, uh, projected completion dates since the last report, uh, two-year extensions uh, or more listed in red, or for our new bonds, a significant delay since the issuance of the bond. And so just as a quick walkthrough here, um, for transportation road improvement, you can see that we've listed the accessibility improvements component and the muni facility upgrades. Uh, for accessibility improvements, BART manages this project and has re the project and project timeline. Um, we, were, um, we were told that the installation uh, for these canopies are beginning Uh, this year for the BART Canopies project, which is the the major project in this component. And so that timeline is now running from now through 2027. Uh, For muni facility upgrades, the six originally scoped projects that were reported to us prior to this report are actually complete, but the uh, Castro station was actually added in addition to the scope. For public health and safety, uh, you have... uh, ZSFG Building Five, which is 15 different projects that are linked. And due to staging of space and the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, it posed significant challenges to project work in building five. For the neighborhood fire stations component of the 26 for the 2016 bond, uh, the Remaining hose tower removal at fire station 15 experienced additional design time and is expected to be complete in fiscal year 24. And the budgets for three additional fire station generator replacements are contingent on funding remaining after the hose tower removals. For homeless services site programs, two shelter projects were placed on hold during the pandemic and are currently in the design phase. Moving on to the 2018 Embarcadero Seawall Earthquake Safety Bond, you see here that the Army Corps study is listed. Um, Our colleagues uh, for the seawall just spoke a little bit to that uh, a little bit earlier, but we understood this to essentially be a much more in-depth study for options on how to address waterfront and seismic issues and potentially makes us eligible for more funding. And finally, for the 2020 ESER bond, you see uh, neighborhood fire stations and support facilities listed here. Um, Public Works reports that substantial work has not yet started on the fire training facility, which is the largest project in this component due to public works awaiting the establishment of an MOU with fire. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to
4: my colleague, Dan Kaplan. Thanks, Albert. Uh, Hello, everyone, and good morning. My name is Dan Kaplan with the controller's office. Uh, Next, we're going to be focusing on the three affordable housing GEO bonds. Across the three programs that comprise this sector, um, voters have authorized a total of nearly $1.2 billion, and there's about $800 million in funds remaining. Now, the 2019 affordable housing bond is the newest of these bonds to this report and is the first time we're commenting on it in this report, and it accounts for the bulk of this $800 million balance at uh, about $535 million remaining. Um, One thing that's important to note is that housing financing operates slightly different than financing for other programs when we look at all the bond programs in the city, where the city is typically funding uh, refinances of uh, more expensive debt that developers currently have. And as a result, the city's engagement with a project typically doesn't occur to the end of its life cycle. Um, so the reason I mention all of this is a, a significant portion of the eight hundred million dollars, um, MOHCD has noted, is currently committed to housing projects within its pipeline. Um, across all three bonds, they're subsidizing the new construction and preservation of affordable housing units across the city. And MOHCD projects that the funds will support the construction of four thousand eight hundred and ninety-seven affordable housing units across the city. Uh, next slide, please. Moving on to our parks and rec bonds, uh, the city has two active bonds, the 2012 and the 2008 um, for which voters have authorized a total of 380 million um, across both bonds, um, 23.7 million remains as of the close of fiscal 21. Um, and we also note that the 2008 bond is effectively complete so uh, effectively all of the 23.7 million is associated with the 2012 bond. Um, that bond continues the work of the 2008 bond, which is to make capital improvements in land restoration for parks throughout the city and along its waterfront. Uh, next slide, please. Moving on to the uh, snapshot of, the, of our new watch list that's affil- associated with these two programmatic areas. Um, the first three rows you'll see are associated with the 2012 parks bond. And um, those three components have experienced nearly a five-year delay from the bond's original projected completion date. This includes a roughly three-year delay since our prior report in 2019. The projected completion date for this bond is now March 2024. Um, The the port manages the waterfront parks component, um, which is our first row that we see, which is experiencing a delay largely driven by the Mission Bay Ferry Project um, of which Aqua Vista Park is part of this broader, broader project. Um, Rec and Park manages the next two rows we see, which are citywide programs and citywide parks. These delays are attributed to a variety of different factors, including staff vacancies due to COVID redeployments, challenges managing construction sites during COVID, CEQA reviews, and unforeseen archaeological issues, such as the discovery of a cemetery on one of the parks. Um, Moving on to the 2016 Preservation and Seismic Safety Bond, Um, past projects blend funds from across each of the three components within it, which is why all are experiencing the same 12-month delay since our prior report. Um, MOHCD reports that these delays are primarily attributed to several factors, including seven projects that went into forbearance, COVID-related delays, developer capacity and funding-related delays, And finally, MOHCD staff turnover issues. MOHCG projects that uh, to expend all past funds by the end of 2028, uh, with the next issuance to occur around 2024 and the final to occur around 2027. We note, however, that these uh, projections may be a bit optimistic, given the current rate of expenditures. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, So throughout the course of our interviews with bond program managers and key subject matter experts in preparation of this report, we repeatedly heard the same set of issues raised that transcend um, any one bond program or any one department. Um, We refer to these within the report as key citywide issues. Um, This report varies a little bit differently and differs a little bit different um, from those of prior reports that you may have seen in that we dive more deeply into these key citywide issues and identify actionable opportunities for the city to take in addressing them. We break all of these issues up into five key areas, including city regulations, city permitting and approvals, bond planning, deferred maintenance, and capital administration. I'm not gonna go into every key issue uh, during this report uh, during this presentation, um, just in the interest of time, but I'm gonna summarize them more generally. On this first slide, we see uh, the first two key issue areas being city regulations and city permitting and approvals. On the regulation side, the city has a number of policies that may have notable policy goals. However, we note that they also help to increase costs, drive project delays and reduce options for departments in an already competitive construction market. Um, Frequent causes of some of the cost overruns we see that have been cited by bond program leads include uh, the local business enterprise, project labor agreement, and low cost bid requirements. Um, The city could begin to address these by studying the cumulative impact of our total regulatory um, environment on uh, the project costs and timelines. Um, Moving on to permitting and approvals, The city uh, city projects are not consistently prioritized over privately funded projects within our regulatory agencies, which can help to contribute to lengthy permitting delays. Um, Departments must also seek approvals from multiple agencies and commissions that independently oversee aspects of a project. This can also lead to delays. As a solution, the city can prioritize publicly funded projects, analyze key drivers of delays and explore options to streamline the approval processes. Next slide, please. Here we see bond planning and deferred maintenance. Um, When it comes to bond planning, we refer to work that occurs prior to geo funds being approved by voters and distributed to departments. Pre-bond funding is is frequently cited as being very helpful for engaging in bond planning, um, such as by allowing departments to identify the amount of funding needed to meet a particular capital need, as well as navigating the permitting and regulatory processes. The city uh, maintains this uh, capital planning revolving fund to lend funds to departments to engage in this type of project planning activities. And subsequently, uh, this fund is reimbursed by bond funds once they're ultimately approved by voters. Um, There are two key limitations uh, with this fund, though. The fund is limited in size and can vary from year to year, depending on the number of projects that have have been funded by, uh, by the revolving fund. Um, meaning that the city has to make choices about which types of projects to um, provide planning funds to. The city can also only recoup funds to the extent that it's legally permissible to do so, um, meaning that some helpful planning activities, such as system wide analyses, may be deemed out of scope of the funding. To address these issues, the city can evaluate whether there is sufficient funding uh, available through the fund and see if alternative sources may be needed. Um, on to deferred maintenance. Uh, THE CITY MAINTAINS A MULTI-BILLION-DOLLAR BACKLOG OF DEFERRED MAINTENANCE PROJECTS, WHICH ARE MAINTENANCE PROJECTS THAT HAVE YET TO BE ADDRESSED. Um, THE ISSUE WITH DEFERRED MAINTENANCE IS THAT IT CAN HELP TO INCREASE OUR LONG-TERM CAPITAL COSTS BY REDUCING THE LIFE EXPECTANCY OF BUILDINGS. Um, there are varying maintenance models across the city that we've also observed, um, including some departments utilizing uniform staff to perform activities that others complete with um, more highly trained engineers. We also observed that the lack of uniform maintenance standards and data systems can present challenges for departments and for the city in understanding the total size of its um, maintenance backlog. To address these issues, the city can adopt a more uniform standard for engineers to perform repairs and require departments to develop maintenance standards. And on to the final issue, uh, capital administration. Uh, we found that many departments use internal tools to track expenditures rather than the city's financial system. This can complicate real time centralized reporting of these transactions. In addition, the level of sophistication of departments tracking of asset maintenance needs can vary. As a result, it can be unclear what the useful life of a building system is, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, to the extent that the city's backlog uh, or the, the scale of the city's backlog of maintenance needs. Uh, to address these issues, the city could take steps to align expenditure and maintenance tracking across all departments. Finally, um, the city has recently developed a contractor rating tool to assess performance. But Public Works is the only department to utilize it. Um, More extensive use of this tool is needed to make it fully operational. The city could explore options to require all departments to utilize the evaluation system. And once fully utilized, uh, could explore how to leverage the tool to incentivize contractor performance and improve bid selection. with that, uh, we conclude our presentation. Thank you so much for your attention, and we're happy to address any questions you may have.
3: Great, thank you for um, the thorough report. Uh, open it up to the committee for questions, comments. I have some. Member, post, please.
6: Thank you. Um, first of all, I just want to thank uh, Albert and Dan for the presentation today and the summary and your team for the report itself, which we were also sent. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen one and or maybe because you've made a bunch of changes, I didn't recognize it from before, but it, it, it will be issued annually, right? This was just unusual. It was biannual for the uh, pandemic.
10: This type of report will be issued annually. This is Peg, um, good morning. Yes. A couple of unusual things happened. The first time we went to which issue in this format, we were catching up to the long delay in getting capital project funding properly into the new financial system. You'll probably remember that. So the first time we did a report like this, it had 18 months of data. And then we intended to go to annual after that and COVID intervened. Uh, but it is our fondest and best hope that there'll be no more pandemics and smooth sailing in the financial system and an annual report. Great. I just want to
6: say I think the report is excellent. It is right on target for this committee in terms of the changes you've made from prior reports that you pointed out um, focusing in on budget and schedule and uh, adding these watch lists and the key issues and opportunities. I encourage my colleagues, if you haven't had a chance yet to look at the full report, to take a look. It's very informative, incredibly useful, and definitely should be done every year. And my question then, so I just big thanks, Peg, to your team and all the people that that issued this report. My question is, is just one, but it's an important one. How do we get all the recommendations and opportunities to turn into actions? How do we get those? The city can do this. The city may do that. To the city will do this, and the city will do that. And not just have studies ad infinitum or more research and on and on, because you've identified such critical areas that that waste a lot of money and that really could be a lot more efficient, make everyone's lives happier, easier. So how? What? 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 Do, what happens to this report? that would,
10: would, would uh, result in some uh, benefits to the city and the public. It's, uh, you've hit the nail right on the head. (laughs) Um, I think I'll point to three things that, um, are likely going forward. So one is, I mean, we, my group, city performance can do projects in this area and we have done before. Um, a few years ago, we helped run a chapter six working group where all the departments that were responsible for capital construction worked together on some improvements to the forms and the contracting process and some of the other regulatory constructs that they dealt with. Um, so it would be my hope that we could choose one or more of the recommendations in this report and make a project out of it that would we would invest staff time in from our own group as we fill some of our vacancies and kind of build up our staffing into next fiscal year. So that's one. Um, Another is the, you know, we'll have change coming during the upcoming year where you might remember voters approved now the split of public works into two agencies. One will take over street sanitation, then that kind of day-to-day operations. The other will take over capital planning and development. And I, you know, there's of course always trade offs with something like that, but I'm somewhat optimistic that the focus of the new capital planning department will allow for more um, citywide views, more expertise of uh, standards and a kind of buildup of um, uh, ability of the city to act in this area as a unified um, voice. Um, and then the third, we are underway right now with um, a project that is got the support of mayor and the board and city administrator, Carmen Chu and the human resources director and our boss Ben Rosenfield to try and catch up to some of the chronic delays and issues that have plagued the city government because of COVID. Again, we have invested a whole bunch of staff time in COVID. There's vacancies in every department. We're finding ourselves behind the game in Contract administration in hiring, in some you know blockages to efficient work that are in the financial system, and there's sort of a full-court press now to address those things again citywide. You know, and I am optimistic that it, that process in contracting anyway will help clear um, some of the uh, blockages that affect these programs as well. Great, So Thank it, you. it's not a lot, but um, it, there's some. And um, also, just wanted to note that also on the call today in case they would like to comment or you have questions for them are Brian Strong and Kate Faust from the Capital Planning and Resilience Program. Um, there isn't a formal five-year update to their plan, which would normally be on the same calendar with this one, but there are here in case there's questions you have of them. Okay,
6: thank you. I'll just close my comments and saying that um, it just seems uh, the terrific that there are so many opportunities here to make some improvements in city functions and so many of the opportunities you that Port identified are just common sense i mean you know come on let's get with it for god's sakes and um i will i will look forward as i said to to future reports and i i understand the covid restrictions i understand there are, are some flux in city departments but um anything you all can do on your end to keep moving these opportunities forward to, as I said, become actions, there's a lot of opportunity for people to be heroes here, right? I mean, you make put a lot of this into actions, so people are getting to be heroes in the public's eye, eye. So that's always a good thing, too. So thank you very much. And I'll look forward to seeing these on an annual basis with all the new categories and, and sections you've included. They're terrific. Great.
3: Thanks. I want echo uh, Member Post's comments. Um, and then peg to your, to your, um, Responses uh, uh, through contract negotiations. I know that you and your shop are going to be very, very busy in the coming months, um, and we look forward to as personally as taxpayer, as commissioner, whatever, and also local twenty-one staff. um, Look forward to a lot of the um, business tweaks, if you will, coming coming to the city soon. Um, Any other?
7: Uh Yeah, I just, I would like to, I have a question and echo the comments from the others. It's really nice to see this information put together this way. My question is, you know, on the deficiencies opportunities um, that were identified, were, were those issues identified by your team, by the respective agencies, a combination of both? Kind of who led that charge to put that synopsis together?
10: Heather or Dan or Albert, do you want to speak to that one?
4: Yeah. Happy to jump in. Um, So hi everyone, Dan Kaplan again. Um, The this was really a collaboration, I would say between bond program leads and our group, Um, the way we approached our interviews, which was one of our key uh, methods for kind of obtaining data uh, throughout this process was to have more of a focus on these key issues and opportunities. So we were more intentional about the way in which we we questioned bond program leads. But everything that made its way into this section of the report was cited um, by at least two leads. So this is, these were issues that kept emerging kind of across departments.
7: So were the identification prompted by your questions or is there a path toward, you know, bond bond program leads maybe being more forthcoming and proactive with providing those types of analysis and, and review of
4: their performance? I think okay. there, there's certainly always room for departments to uh, change the way in which they navigate these processes. But um, a lot of the, the real focus of this section where these were citywide issues. So these are kind of issues that do touch across departments. So um, there may be room for a more co- a coordinated approach to addressing them okay. That kind of Thank transcends you. any one department.
3: uh, I saw member Larkin with a hand earlier yeah
1: Yeah. um thanks Tim Uh, I'll echo what the other committee members have said that this is a timely report we're glad that it's continuing um it's echoed some of the things that I've been saying over the years and I'll continue to read these reports um I didn't get past the page that had two of the problematic uh, projects from the 2014 MTA bond. One of them was Castro Street's accessibility improvement project. And I had spoken about that. Um, Another on my list that I didn't speak about because I didn't have an update from staff was BART Canopies. And you did provide an update on that saying that it won't be done until 2027. And that BART was taking the lead on, on that project. So we're all up to date. But I did want to highlight something that I encountered, I'm going to say three or four years ago now, back in the before time, that um, MTA staff had been frustrated by the amount of work that they had put into something that I again mentioned during my report, where they had to make a programmatic shift in funding, just for borrowing from one category to help out in another category where work was progressing faster and invoices were coming in more quickly. They had to go to the Board of Supervisors to get approval to do something that should have just been a matter of course. And I'm just going to recommend that if you haven't spoken to MTA staff, particularly about this bond, go back and talk to them again because they will have some recommendations from you for you, which I think you'll find helpful to you. That's all. Again, it it looks like it's some real good work. I'm going to look forward to reading the report in more detail.
11: Yeah, thank you, Member Larkin. Uh, this is Albert. Um, yeah, we did have an opportunity to speak extensively with with MTA on this, and and we actually do um, have a, a little bit of an explainer on uh, page 41 talking about kind of capital budgeting and how they uh, how MTA shifts funds to basically like shovel ready projects. Um, and, and so, and there is an update on, um, their projected next uh, five year capital plan there, but, um, but yes, uh, the, uh, MTA staff did,
1: did speak to what you were, um, commenting on. Well, thank you. I know I'll, I'll, I'll read page 41 of your report with interest.
12: I, I promise you, Brian, they did speak with me and I gave them plenty of comments for the report.
1: Jonathan, I, I figured you would if I didn't see that you were on on, on this meeting. Good. I I, that's all I had to hear, Jonathan. I'm sure you're on the case.
3: Great. Uh, any other discussion from members here? And a last call on the staff that are available from capital planning? Any? I just had one,
6: one quick question, Tim. I forgot. And it's random and it's not urgent if no one knows the answer. But in the report, I noticed that in terms of waterfront projects, that the federal government prohibits construction on the bay between June and December. Why is that? Does anybody know? Because I thought, well, that's a drag. I should have asked the seawall folks that and I didn't think of it. I'm sorry. Anybody know? If not, as I said, it's not urgent. It's just unfortunate.
10: Brian Strong, does your random access memory include that fact?
13: It does not sorry that's news to me
10: that's okay
6: I, I just saw yeah. it I can't even remember the project it was talking in reference to but I thought well that will be a, you know if you can't go for six months of the year anyway I'm sure we'll get it as a hit
13: yeah we can follow not, up.
6: not urgent thank you
13: I would just want to comment again Brian Strong I'm the director of the office of resilience and capital planning I've been I've been before go back several times Kate um, Peg mentioned that this year we didn't have any updates, which is why we didn't bring a formal presentation to you, but we certainly will be next year. Uh, and, and I think we'll be talking about some of these issues. I, I really wanted to thank, you know, Albert, Dan, and, and I think Heather Littleton and, um, folks from PEG's team for putting together the report. I agree with the committee's comments about uh, how it's been strengthened and a little more focused. So I think that's really helpful. It's something that I would also like to bring to our capital planning committee and share with folks there. Uh, the, uh, just a couple comments, you know, part of the impacts of COVID, um, have really, really hurt our capital budget. And, and I should say all the things that Dan and Albert mentioned in the report were things that we've heard a lot too. So they spoke with me and my staff, Kate Faust is on to my staff and we concur with those, but some of these things around, uh, more money for pre-bond planning with, with Jonathan Ruer is actually brought up at our last capital planning committee meeting as well. is something we've been trying to emphasize for for several years. Uh, and to some extent, the fund is almost, a, we're, we're a bit of a victim of our own success in that we, you know, we did over two, close to $2 billion with the GEO bond since 2019. So the, the idea of the revolving fund, we, a, a new bond comes and it, it gives us more money um, has been, it, it just hasn't been adequate. Uh, to support the needs so that this last year, for instance, we got $35 million just in the capital budget request for, for capital for advanced planning, uh, to do planning that cannot be supported by geo bonds or other types of debt. Um, we're able to fund in this year's budget, 3 million of that. So that, you know, that will be, some of that will be revolving because it'll go to geo bonds and we'll be able to reimburse. Um, but there are big gaps there. Uh, And then I would say the same thing for facility maintenance. You know, we carried $12 million, $12.5 million to $15 million a year for facilities maintenance. Um, Part of that is because we see facilities maintenance as an operating cost, not as a capital cost, but it was put in our budget because departments tended not to prioritize maintenance, right? They had other operational needs. So that's why they created this sort of more centralized budget. But as we've mentioned to departments and um, to the budget office and folks all along we know that that's not enough and we are really encouraging departments to also contribute um, their own operating funds to help pay for that maintenance so it's not all just coming from one central source uh, but that's another area where where we really strongly agree and I think our capital planning committee agrees too with the reports recommendations that um, we need to develop better better ways to do preventative maintenance uh, for our, for the city's assets. Um, and if we don't do that, then it does end up becoming bigger projects that are in our geo bond program. Um, we tend to want to focus geo bonds on enhancements, improvements, seismic retrofits, you know, uh, we're going to have climate change issues coming up. Um, we don't like to see a lot of it going to fixing roofs. Um, and those types of things, but if we can't get the money through our pay-as-you-go program, then it becomes you know, really the only other source that we have. So that's all that, that I wanted to add. Um, I don't know if Kate from my staff had anything else uh, to, put, uh, to contribute.
9: I don't think I have anything to add to that, but happy to answer any questions if there are some.
13: Yeah, and thanks for inviting us.
3: Great. Well, thank you, um, capital planning folks. We look forward to the report next year. Um, I think that's everybody from the committee. So we can open to public comment, Roseanne.
0: members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001 access code 2499-584-8214 and then pound and then pound again if you haven't already done so please dial star 3 to line up to speak a system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments please note that you will have three minutes. I'm not seeing any public, so there are no raised hands.
3: Great, if you could close comment.
0: Public comment is now closed for this item.
3: And since there's no action to be taken, if we could move to the final item, the agenda number eight, please.
0: Item eight, opportunity for committee members to comment or take action on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction. A, Audits Unit, Public Integrity Reviews. B, Performance Unit, Public Perception Survey Project. C, CSA Division Updates and Work Plan. D, Public Finance Upcoming Bond Issuances. E, CGO BOC Fiscal Year. 2021 to 2022 work plan and meeting
10: dates. Good morning again, Peg Stevenson from the controller's office. So this item has um, a series of things that we touch on if they're active during the period of the meeting. So I'm gonna go first to the audit group to comment on their public integrity work that's been issued since your last meeting. Amanda.
7: Thank you, Peg. Good morning. Um, Since the committee's last meeting in February, CSA audits issued our ninth public integrity report on the San Francisco Department of the Environment's relationship with recology and lack of compliance with ethics rules, um, which we issued on April 8th. This public integrity assessment was completed in coordination with the city attorney's office and included six main findings and nine recommendations to improve tone at the top of the department, as well as overall compliance with ethics rules regarding receipt of gifts and solicitation of donations. The controller's Office continues to work on additional public integrity assessments, including a review of Recology's refuse rates, assessment of PUC's contracting and procurement processes, and an audit of the Recology
10: Landfill Agreement. Thank you. Any questions for Amanda? Okay, thank you. Uh, Next item is my unit, the performance unit and the work that we're doing to uh, proceed with a a public survey on uh, bond programs. And we've made good progress on this. Um, It's unfortunate timing with member Pantoja not being able to be here today because he is our liaison on this. Um, And I know my staff actually met with him last week uh, to discuss it because we are Well along, we've selected a contractor. We've selected the two locations. It'll be the Willy Woo Woo playground and the Stanyan Street front, the improvements that are um, done along Stanyan Street for the entrance to Golden Gate Park. Um, Two projects that are um, different in scale and different in user profile. And we're really looking forward to um, what we would learn from the public that we encounter in doing these. Um, We've again, selected our contractor We're well underway with the survey design and translations and the other things that need to be done to get it in the field. Um, They met with member Pantoja last week to bounce it off of him and get his thinking on behalf of the committee. And we should be able to wrap up the consultative processes on it and have it in the field um, during the month of May, I think is the plan. And again, it's sort of helpful to us to every month that, you know sort of COVID restrictions and masking and things like that are receding we think will be helpful people are more likely to respond to uh, an encounter survey in the park or to come up to a table if we're using a table in the park so we, we do think that um, having this time having passed it's helpful to that process so uh, really looking forward to it and we will um, be in the field in May and I, I have to check the reporting calendar but um, in the, certainly we should start to have preliminary results in the summer and fall. Um, so I will stop there on the survey. Um, next item is work plan updates. Um, you have a report in your packet from the audits unit and we have work planning underway uh, during this quarter. One of the th- important things that we do during April, May, and June is planning for next fiscal year. So we reach out to the large departments. We sort of scan the operating environment, look at civil grand jury reports and audits and um, new legislation and kind of anything that influences the operating environment to the city and how what types of projects and audits we might propose to some of the city departments that are our, our clients essentially. So we're underway with that now. Um, at your last meeting, we had member Sanderlin, uh volunteer to be our liaison on that process, which is great. So we'll be reaching out to you and setting up a meeting during the month of May, by which time we'll have more content to report. I mean, we'll have had some of the meetings with the large departments and have some idea of how the year is shaping up. Um, I will say, like a lot of city departments, we have a bunch of vacancies. We you don't, aren't going to have as many hours to plan on as we would in a normal year. Um, so as we fill our staff vacancies, we'll continue to do more updates to the planning during the fiscal year. Um, and in, on the audit side, I mean, if Amanda is still on, she might be able to speak to this, but cost recovery is still a, an enormous amount of hours um, on the audit side. And so it's, you know, similarly sort of, um, limiting their ability to plan their other audit programs, just the number of hours that have to be devoted to cost recovery. But again, they're, they're aware of it, they're filling vacancies, and I will stop and see if Amanda wants to add anything general on the work planning process.
7: Yes, thank you, Peg. Yes, just echoing that we're still um, juggling some of our key priorities. Cost recovery is um, our biggest one um, that has been taking a lot of our staff time. We're also continuing to work on our public integrity assessments um, and our standard whistleblower program and completing our mandated audits and assessments. Um, And then, yes, like we're still working with city performance on developing our um, next year's work plan, but uh, nothing new to add to what Peg's saying. Um, We're hoping that with the few hours that we do have, we're able to kind of resume some of our standard um, audit work and assess, you know, more citywide risks and internal controls like we used to.
10: Thanks, Amanda, and we'll have more content for you on this at your June meeting. Um, public finance, I don't think there's been any change to the bond issuance schedule since your last meeting. So there, I don't think there was another update in your packet, but I think that Vishal Trevetti and or Anna Vendegna are on the line in case they have anything they wanted to add here.
12: Uh, good morning, uh, members of the committee. Thank you, Peg. Uh, this is Vishal Trilli from the Office of Public Finance. Uh, th- there was one minor update, and I can just provide a, a little more brief context. The uh, there had been a geo refunding identified on the schedule, and uh, as as of now, we're prepared to price that tomorrow. The savings, unfortunately, has been declining in the face of rising interest rates and, and outflows in the municipal bond market. But we do anticipate that there will be sufficient savings to meet our savings threshold to issue refunding bonds, and so we will report on the outcome of that sale at the next meeting. Uh, the uh, forward schedule for the new new money issuances uh, is pretty similar to what you had seen last time. Uh, we we're anticipating uh, uh, the follow-up issuance of the health and recovery bond. I think i is just awaiting some uh, news of uh, qualifying for grants or matching funds. Um, we'll know more later this uh, calendar year uh seawall also you heard from uh, today earlier today they uh hope to get a better sense of their next issuance again later this calendar year and that one thing we did add to the uh um to the forward calendar is affordable housing bond issuance uh, they're also getting uh some more information and in pre- preparing to issue so we we have some estimates on the size that i have included in the memo but we don't those those will get firmed up and the timing will also get firmed up later this year let me, uh, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to, to speak in more detail about any of that. Thank you.
10: Vishal, do you want to say something about the Moody's action and anything else good that happened on our bond ratings? They might be interested.
12: Uh, yes, uh, happy to update the, the committee on that. Uh, so in preparation for the issuance of these geo-refunding bonds, uh, you know, b- before we do a new issuance, we... Uh, Get uh, receive uh, updated ratings from the three rating agencies, Moody's, Fitch, and S&P. Uh, due to the pandemic, all three uh, agencies ha- had had the city on a negative outlook. They'd maintained the city's ratings. There was a AAA from um, Moody's and S&P and AA Plus from Fitch on the city's geo bonds, but they'd issued a negative outlook over the past year and a half to two years. Uh, and uh, as of this most recent rating update, They've now uh, all three of the agencies have have removed the the city from negative outlook and we're, we're back at uh, AAA, AAA, AA plus stable all across the board. So it's a very positive action that was, that was taken um, by the rating agencies and uh, it was reflective of the city's uh, conservative approach to budgeting, the considerable reserves that they'd built up and uh, built up, and you know the the way that uh, the City leaders have have um, been have managed to to steer the city through the pandemic, the receipt of federal funds, et cetera, to close the city's revenue stop gaps, and, and so I think in recognition of that, I think all, all three of the rating agencies have uh, have now uh, removed the the possibility of a of a near term downgrade um, for the for the foreseeable future.
10: Great, thank you, Vishal.
6: Congratulations, Vishal and Anna. That's great
10: news.
12: That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, and honestly, as, as I mentioned, it's really a testament to, uh, you know, the city's financial management, uh, from the controller and the treasurer to the mayor and the board for making the, the budgetary decisions that they had. And uh, I think all that hard work was really uh, and recognized uh, by the waiting agencies. So very, very positive outcome.
10: I see Anna put her camera on. Anna, did you want to add anything or just showing the flag?
9: No, just (laughs) showing the flag. I really appreciate the the congratulations and and the hard work of of everybody at the city, especially folks I know who were taken away from, you know, important tasks like this to focus on things like cost recovery, which are really critical for helping the city um, get off of that negative outlook. Great.
10: Thank you. Okay, last on this item is the um, committee's own work plan and dates. Um, We will make a formal calendar and include it in your packet for the June 5th meeting. But just to remind everyone, uh, your general calendar is to meet six times a year, um, every other month on fourth Mondays, except for in December and June when we move it up so that in December not to run into the Christmas holidays and in June not to run into the fiscal year end. That's why your meeting in June is um, instead of being the fourth Monday it's Monday June 6th. Um, so I'll have a formal calendar for you at that meeting including a schedule of when each bond program and liaison would report. Um, and I know I keep saying this, but also by that time, we hope to have um, progress on filling some of the vacancies. Mayor's office um, is the, the main one. I'm appreciative that the board managed to get uh, member Crawford's appointment through. That's super helpful. Um, Mayor's office has been again backlogged, but I don't know if you saw last week, they just made a bunch of appointments to commission vacancies that they had. And I think they'll now turn their full attention to some of the next set of appointments. So I'm actively working with them on finding candidates. Um, we did have a, a couple of people who surfaced, but they didn't exactly meet the criteria that are laid out in the charter. So um, again, if any of you have names or recommendations that you wanna put forward, I am happy to do the task of just liaison in between any names you might have and the people in the mayor and board's office who work on these appointments. So. Um, I'm always an optimist and I'm hoping that we'll get at least one more appointment before your June meeting and uh, maybe more than that, but we're actively working on it. Um, So I will stop there and ask if there are any questions on any of the items that we've covered. Great.
3: Thanks, Peg. Um, Any board members' questions? Great. Um, Rosanna, if we can have public comment on this item, please.
0: Thanks. Members of the public wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. Access code 2499-584-8214 and then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. Um, Seeing there are no, there's no public. So may I close this item? Yes, please. So public comment is closed for this item. May we adjourn the meeting?
3: Yes, since there's no action to be taken, I, I make a motion that we adjourn.
6: Second. Right. Thank you.
10: All right.
6: right.
10: Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. See you next bye. time.
0: Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye bye.